Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, July 6, 2022. Coming up this hour. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson clings to power. We're at 10 Downing Street with the latest. The U.S. and China hold talks on the war in Ukraine. Oil stabilizes after yesterday's 8% sell-off. And Amazon takes a stake in Grubhub. New Jersey Governor Murphy signs new gun legislation. Plus, New York Mayor Adams announces a plan to get ghost cars off the streets. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. And I'm Scott Seidenberg. Both the Yankees and Mets lose, plus an update on Wimbledon. I'll have that and more coming up in sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. And good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 5.01 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 11 points this morning. Dow futures down 86. And NASDAQ futures down 37. The DAX in Germany higher, up about 1.2%. CAC in Paris up 1.1%. And the FTSE 100 up 1.3%. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd. Yield 2.80%. They yield on the two-year 2.0%. 2.82%. Comex gold is a little changed at 1764.60 an ounce. The euro 1.0243 against the dollar. And Bitcoin this morning as is at $20,150. John. And Karen will have more on the markets in just a minute. But first, we begin with the latest on the future of Boris Johnson. The British Prime Minister clinging to power following the resignations of two senior members of his government. Let's get more from Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden outside number 10 Downing Street. Started with a surprise apology from Boris Johnson about his handling of the Chris Pincher affair, which of course is just the latest chapter of the Pestminster story or these alleged sexual misconduct scandals. But that was quickly followed by the resignations of two of his most senior team, Sajid Javid, the Health Secretary, and the Chancellor Rishi Sunak. Uh, both their resignation letters attacked his integrity, uh, and then it was the Attorney General and a string of junior government members. So it does seem that the tide has finally turn against Boris Johnson. He came back with an emergency reshuffle, trying to show he's fighting back. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden reporting outside 10 Downing Street says Johnson will be facing questions in the House of Commons today. He'll also before, appear before a parliamentary committee. Well, another political news this morning, John. Foreign ministers from the Group of 20 Nations are gathering in Bali, Indonesia, and Russia's invasion of Ukraine will top the agenda at the meeting. Nathan Hager has more from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. 
Secretary of State Antony Blinken heads to the G20 summit today. A top U.S. official says he will meet this weekend with his Chinese counterpart Wang Yi for a, quote, candid exchange about the war and what the U.S. expects, not just from China, but from all responsible members of the international community. This will be Blinken's first face-to-face encounter with Wang since October. The State Department says Blinken is not expected to meet with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. He is also planning to attend the G20 summit. In Washington, I'm Nathan Hager, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Nathan. The Secretary General of OPEC has died. Mohamed Barkindo was in the final weeks of his six-year tenure as the head of the oil cartel when he died in his native Nigeria. Barkindo oversaw one of the most turbulent periods in OPEC's history. He was 63. In meantime, in the markets, John, oil recovering some of yesterday's 8% loss. Checking prices right now, NYMEX crude oil is up 1%. It's at $100.48 a barrel. Brent is up 1.6% at $104.38. Banks, including Goldman Sachs, say the recent plunge on recession fears is overdone, and the outlook for energy consumption in China is improving. In Asia, overnight stocks dipped as fears of an economic downturn lingered over financial markets, and that had the dollar hovering at the highest level in more than two years. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. China chipmakers were one of the few bright spots in the markets Wednesday after Bloomberg News reported the U.S. is pushing the Netherlands to ban ASML holding from selling to China technology essential in making a large chunk of the world's chips. But Asian energy stocks lost all this year's gains as crude oil struggled to regain Tuesday's steep losses. But a new program of virus testing in Shanghai has raised the likelihood of another lockdown and that weighed on investor sentiment during Wednesday's session. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Well, here in the U.S., futures are lower following yesterday's late-day rally. At one point, the S&P 500 was down more than 2% before ending the day higher. Sylvia Jablonski is chief investment officer at Defiance ETFs. You know, I think in the near term, we get that range-bound volatility, but investors that, you know, have been waiting for, for something might be thinking, you know, we can't call the bottom here, but... Is it possible that the market has done some of the work for the Fed? And is it possible that putting that first dollar to work makes sense here? And Sylvia Jablonski at Defiance ETF says the markets are already pricing in a recession. And on the economic calendar today, we get minutes from the Fed's June meeting, which saw central bankers raise rates by 75 basis points. Meantime, economists say a broad index of inflation expectations that the Fed watches is expected to show a big rise when it's published later this month. Well, in corporate news this morning, John, it looks like Amazon is on the acquisition trail. And let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Amazon will get options for a 2% stake in Grubhub and will have the chance to increase that holding to 15%. Amazon's stake will be in the form of warrants, and they'll vest depending on how well the partnership performs and how many new customers come as a result. It's a relief for the struggling Grubhub, which in April announced plans to find an investor or bidder. Shares for parent company Just Eat jumped as much as 16% in Amsterdam today. The stock had fallen close to 70% this year. On the consumer side, the deal gives Amazon Prime members in the U.S. access to Grubhub for one year. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Renita. The crypto crash claiming another victim, broker Voyager Digital, has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. The New York-based firm cites market volatility and the collapse of a hedge fund to which it had lent money. 
Right now, this morning, Bitcoin down about 1.5%, 20,143 per token. And ahead of the cash open, Dow futures right now, 97 points lowered. S&P futures down 13. And it brings us to 5.07 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more of what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. The gunman accused of attacking an Independence Day parade in suburban Chicago has been charged now with seven counts of first-degree murder, and more charges are expected. Lake County State's Attorney Eric Reinhardt. The loss of life and these devastating injuries and the overwhelming psychological trauma demand we seek justice and that we take broader action to protect life. State Attorney Eric Reinhardt says that the suspect, Eric Cremo, is convicted of murder and he would receive a mandatory life sentence without the possibility of parole. Robert Cremo could also face other charges as well. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy signed a package of bills touted to increase gun safety less than two weeks after the U.S. Supreme Court weakened states' abilities to restrict carrying concealed firearms. Murphy signed seven bills and promised more action. There are those who take seriously the words of the satirical website The Onion, and this was the headline. No way to prevent this, says only nation where this regularly happens. And sadly, it appears six of these mistaken people sit on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Governor Murphy says the new laws include mandatory training prior to a gun purchase, tracking of ammunition sales, and micro-stamping technology so bullets can be traced to particular weapons. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says drivers of vehicles caught with illegal fake paper license plates will be towed and could potentially be auctioned off. Mayor Adams says that they're cracking down on ghost cars because we know the drivers of these cars are, quote, up to no good. And I said over and over again, there are many rivers that feed the sea of violence. We're damming each river. And paper plates, to some, you'll say, well, what does that have to do with damming a river? It dams the river of people using their vehicles for illegal behavior. Mayor Adams says the law's coming after anyone who tries to make their car untraceable. Rudy Giuliani, Senator Lindsey Graham, and five others have been called to testify before a special grand jury in Atlanta. According to court filings, it's part of an investigation into alleged attempts by former President Trump and his supporters to change the result of the 2020 election in Georgia. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thanks. Yeah, it's now 510 of Wall Street, and it's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Thanks, John. Max Scherzer returned from the IL and was absolutely dominant. A season-high 11 strikeouts and six shutout innings, allowing just two hits. The Mets, however, could not muster up any offense and would lose in the bottom of the ninth to the Reds, one nothing. Here was Scherzer on his outing. Felt great. Um, no issues whatsoever today. Felt strong. Uh, all the way through, uh, never tighten up on me, so that's that's a good thing. David Peterson gets the start tonight. The Yankees, meanwhile, fell to the Pirates 5-2. Jamison Tyone's return to Pittsburgh was spoiled early when he allowed a Dan Vogelbach home run in the second and then a two-run shot to rookie Jack Sawinski in the fourth. It was the first loss for Tyone since April 11th. The Yankees losing back-to-back games for just the fifth time this season. Luis Severino. 
will start tonight. Tennis at Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic rallied from two sets down to defeat Yannick Sinner and advanced to the semifinals. Rafael Nadal faces American Taylor Fritz in today's quarterfinal. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. John? Thanks a lot, Scott. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, futures have turned into the red down futures right now, down 91 points, three-tenths of a percent lower. S&P E-mini futures, they're down 12. That's down three-tenths. And the NASDAQ futures right now, 36 points lower, down three-tenths of a percent. In London, the FTSE up 1.2 percent. And as we look at the volatility index, that is slightly elevated, still below 30 at 27 98. Ten-year yield, 2.79%. The two-year at 2.81%. An inversion with twos and tens in the Treasury market. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Still ahead, political instability, one of the last things the U.K. economy needs. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden joins us from number 10 Downing Street to explain the turmoil surrounding Boris Johnson. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower amid concerns over a global economic slowdown. The two- and ten-year U.S. yield curve remain inverted as investors await the minutes of the Federal Reserve's last meeting to gauge its policy priorities. The British pound is rising, shrugging off political drama in London, or it was anyway. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 14 points. Dow futures down 111. NASDAQ futures down 45. And the DAX in Germany is up nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 2.30 seconds, yield 2.79 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.82 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 8 tenths percent, or 77 cents at $100.27 cents a barrel. COMEX gold up a tenth of a percent, up $1.60 at $17.65.50 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0233 against the dollar. The British pound now at 1.1939 and the yen 135.23. And looking at Bitcoin this morning down one and a third percent at $20,180. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. At least seven people are now dead after Monday's mass shooting at a Chicago area 4th of July parade with over two dozen others hospitalized. The suspect now faces seven charges of first-degree murder. Former Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani, Senator Lindsey Graham, and five others have been called to testify before a special grand jury in Atlanta. It is part of an investigation into alleged attempts by former President Trump and his supporters to change the result of the 2020 election in Georgia. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets lost. The Nationals, Red Sox, and Giants also lost. The Orioles and A's won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air, and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. Coming up on 520 on Wall Street, we're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. The U.K. Prime Minister seems to be hanging by a thread this morning after high-profile resignations of several members of his government. And let's head to number 10 Downing Street now. Bloomberg's Lizzie Borden there with more on Boris Johnson. And uh, Lizzie Borden, uh, Boris Johnson, if nothing else, is a survivor. 
Uh, how precarious is his position this morning? Yes, John, on the cover of the UK newspapers this morning, uh, you've got them just describing his situation as on the brink, and another refers to him as uh, the greased piglet, remember that moniker, uh, that he manages to survive these situations that historically put his, predecessor, put his predecessors under so much pressure that they resigned. Well, it doesn't look likely that he will do that. Uh, last night, his uh, health secretary, Sajid Javid, who is also a former chancellor, and the Chancellor Rishi Sunak quit. They said they couldn't handle uh, having to stand up in public and defend his uh, handling of the Chris Pincher affair, this MP who was alleged uh, to have uh, been involved in sexual misconduct but was then rehired into the government as Deputy Chief Whip. Uh, Both of their resignation letters going hard with the venomous language uh, about Johnson's integrity and yet overnight, we've had even more junior resignations, even into the past few minutes. Uh, so our reporter, Alex Wickham, is this morning reporting that Johnson's on red alert for signs of a coordinated plot from his ministers to bring him down. Because if six or eight of the cabinet quit, it would leave him struggling even to form a cabinet. Yeah. Um, the uh, resignations, are they an act of conscience or are these people after his job? <laughs> well, uh, both Sajid Javid and uh, Rishi Sunak uh, have uh, are thought to have leadership ambitions. Sajid Javid has stood before, uh, and they're going to be even more dangerous if they're on the back benches. They'll be able to more easily organise other MPs around them. Uh, Rishi Sunak, in his resignation letter, said that he accepted this may be his last ministerial position, uh, but uh, you know, we'll, perhaps he'll have a position in his own government, who knows. Uh, but it wasn't all about this uh, pestminster, as it's called, scandal. Uh, for Rishi Sunak, it was also about Johnson's handling of the post-COVID economic recovery. Uh, he has said that he, it, he had to take difficult decisions. If something's too good to be true, it probably is. He said his approach was fundamentally different from Johnson's on the economy. So uh, clearly he couldn't get on board with the fiscal boosterism that Johnson Johnson wanted of him. Uh, Explain to us what uh, the prime minister faces now with the there's a Q&A where there's a question session in Parliament and uh, explain to us also what the liaison committee is. Yes, so first of all, we'll have Prime Minister's Questions weekly session where Johnson's, first of all, uh, grilled by the leader of the opposition, uh, Keir Starmer, and then other MPs in the chamber. Uh, In previous weeks, Keir Starmer seems to have missed an open goal. He focused too much on policy rather than personality uh, when Boris Johnson's been at his weakest. Then Johnson faces more questions from the liaison committee. That's the heads of all the parliamentary select committees. Uh, So he'll be getting questions from all different angles, and it'll be a very tough crowd to please. Uh, Lizzie, if Boris Johnson goes, is that it for the Conservative government in the UK? How does that work? Well, so it's all a matter of process. So he could resign, but as I say, that looks highly unlikely. Another option would be uh, for the 1922 Committee of Conservative Backbenchers to change its rules so that, uh, well, currently, they, Johnson has an, a year's grace period after his confidence vote that he just narrowly won uh, until there can be another confidence vote that could take him out of leadership. They could reduce the 
grace period to less than a year. But lots of MPs will be worried that that could create a dangerous precedent for future prime ministers by making it impossible for them to govern if they constantly face a vote that's around the corner. Other uh, MPs will be saying, uh, is there really a viable replacement for Boris Johnson at the moment? Uh, and then if there is someone taking over from Johnson, uh, will they even really have a mandate to govern, given that Johnson had this landslide election victory in 2019, and they would have to wait to get their own mandate at a general election? Lizzie, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden outside number 10 Downing Street on the future of the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, Dow futures 55 points lower, S&P futures down 8, and the Nasdaq futures right now 24 points lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Gary Best. Sunshine today, high 85 to 90. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy chance of showers in the afternoon. The high temperature 75 to 80. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with the latest on the future of Boris Johnson. The prime, the British prime minister is clinging to power following the resignations of two senior members of his government. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden has the latest from outside 10 Downing Street. Boris Johnson is hanging by a thread here. It started off with that surprise, stern public apology over his handling of the Chris Pincher affair, but it was followed quickly by the resignation of his health secretary, Sajid Javid, and then his chancellor, Rishi Sunak. Then it was followed by the resignation of the attorney general and a string of junior ministers, suggesting perhaps that the tide has now turned on Boris Johnson. Bloomberg's Lizzie Burden says Johnson will face questions in the House of Commons today and also appear before a parliamentary committee. And back here in the U.S. futures coming off a late-day rally, S&P 500 was down more than 2% at one point before ending the day higher. Sylvia Jablonski is chief investment officer at Defiance ETFs and says markets are already pricing in a recession. The market has done a lot of work, and if you think about recessions to come, a lot of that is froth taken off the market before we sort of hit that point. So I do think that we're seeing sort of hope that we're nearing some bottoms here. That doesn't mean that we can't go lower a little bit, but I think we're more than halfway there. Sylvia Jablonski of Defiance ETM says markets have done a lot of the Fed's work and rate hikes could become less aggressive from here. When we look at oil now, John, it's recovering some of yesterday's 8% sell-off. Right now, crude is higher. It is up 9 tenths percent at $100.44 a barrel. That's NYMEX crude oil. Brent is up 1.5% at $104.32. And a sad note to pass along, Mohamed Barkindo, the Secretary General of OPEC, has died in his native country of Nigeria. He was 63. And now the corporate news, where Amazon is on the acquisition trail this morning. And Bloomberg's Radita Young joins us live with more. 
Renita, good morning. Good morning, John. Amazon will get options for a 2% stake in Grubhub and could increase that holding to 15%. Amazon's stake will be in the form of warrants, and they'll vest depending on how well the partnership performs and how many new customers come as a result. The deal also gives Amazon Prime members in the U.S. access to Grubhub for one year. Shares for parent company Just Eat jumped as much as 16% in Amsterdam today. The stock's fallen close to 70% this year. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. Renita. Dow Futures down 46 points. SF 533 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you, sir. The man accused of opening fire at an Independence Day parade in suburban Chicago is charged now with seven counts of murder. Lake County State's attorney, Eric Reinhardt. We anticipate dozens of more charges centering around each of the victims. Psychological victims, physical victims, attempt murder charges, aggravated discharge charges, aggravated battery charges. State Attorney Reinhardt says Robert Cremo allegedly sprayed more than 70 rounds from a rooftop into a crowd in Highland Park. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy signed a package of bills touted to increase gun safety. Murphy signed seven bills and promised more action. We believe, or I should say no, we know that we can take on the epidemic of gun violence and win. Governor Murphy says the new laws include mandatory training prior to gun purchases and tracking ammo sales. New York City officials have announced plans to crack down on so-called ghost cars. New York Mayor Eric Adams says they are vehicles with illegal fake paper license plates. When you see people using these paper plates, many times they are doing something illegal. Mayor Adams says the cars will be towed and could potentially be auctioned off. Seven Trump allies have now been subpoenaed in the Georgia criminal investigation of election interference. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. These are grand jury summons, and the names include Rudy Giuliani, Lindsey Graham, and John Eastman. The move underscores the breadth of the investigation being conducted by the district attorney of Fulton County, which is a suburb of Atlanta. She's weighing a range of charges, including racketeering and conspiracy. This is the closest a criminal investigation has gotten to Trump's inner circle. Now, the subpoenas do not automatically mean that those involved are a target of any investigation. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg John. Michael, thanks. And it's now 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, John. For just the fifth time this season, the Yankees have lost consecutive games, falling to the Pirates in Pittsburgh last night 5-2, to two, spoiling Jamison Tyone's return to his former team. Tyone allowed five runs on six hits in five and a third innings, picking up his first loss since April 11th. Here was Aaron Judge after the game. You know, they made it a, you know, a couple of timely double plays. Um, I just couldn't really get that big hit to kind of 
you know, get the momentum going on our side to kind of get their rolling. You know, they started off with a couple um, home runs there to kind of put us in a deficit, but, you know, like we've done before, we were, we were worried about that and thought we'd come back, but um, and they were able to hold us down there all the way till the end. Luis Severino will get the start tonight. Max Scherzer returned from the IL last night. He struck out a season-high 11 in six shutout innings, allowing just two hits. But the Mets would fall to the Reds 1-0 in the bottom of the ninth inning. David Peterson gets the start tonight. Tennis at Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic rallied from two sets down to defeat Yannick Sinner and advanced to the semifinals. Rafael Nadal faces American Taylor Fritz in today's quarterfinal. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, Scott, thanks. It is 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Manhattan home sales showed continued strength in the second quarter. Purchases of condos and co-ops closed at a median of one and a quarter million dollars, a record high. The deals going into contract fell through the period, and that signals a decrease in buyer demand. New Jersey will soften restrictions on employment of minors, according to a new law. It'll permanently allow 16 and 17-year-olds to work up to 50 hours per week and 10-hour days during their summer breaks. That's up from the previous caps of 40 hours weekly and 8 hours per day. More than two years after Connecticut struggled with handling requests for unemployment benefits from furloughed workers, the Connecticut Department of Labor's new Reemploy CT went live on Tuesday. The New Haven Register says there was a sprinkling of complaints from people who were having issues with the new computer system. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thanks, Ed. It is 5.37 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. And let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Courtney Donahoe on WHAS in Louisville. Coal prices soaring to the highest on record on limited supplies. I'm Joan Doniger telling WFLA listeners in Tampa about the deadly listeria outbreak linked to a Sarasota ice cream company. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that Amazon has a deal to take as much as a 15% stake in Grubhub. I'm Rick Mateo, and on WBZ in Boston, I'll be reporting on the automaker nipping at Tesla's heels in the evening. Market. I'm Caroline Hepp on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on Boris Johnson clinging to power despite a string of ministers quitting their jobs. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting auto stocks were among biggest decliners on the S&P Tuesday. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It is 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. With Russia showing little sign of easing its assault on Ukraine, providing military support to Kyiv remains the West's top priority. Yet delaying civilian reconstruction until the war is over would be a mistake. Significant areas of Ukraine are largely free from fighting. Leaving them depressed would only prolong Ukraine's dependence on aid. Western support for reconstruction would also help the war effort by allowing the Ukrainian government to focus on keeping its troops supplied. And there's plenty Western allies can do now. For example, in areas where violence has subsided, outside experts could help demine farmland. Rebuilding Ukraine would serve as a potent symbol of unity within the democratic world and a message for future aggressors. Getting that work underway as soon as possible is critical to holding down costs, limiting waste, 
in helping Ukraine's people realize a brighter future. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Markets this morning, an inversion in treasuries. The 10-year yield at 281. The two-year yield higher at 2.83%. As we look to stock futures right now, down futures down 54 points. S&P e-mini futures, 8 points lower. And the NASDAQ futures are 23 points lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the weather from Gary Bass, mostly sunny today, high 85 to 90. Increasing clouds tonight, lows about 70 degrees. And tomorrow, cloudy, chance of showers during the afternoon, high 75 to 80. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning amid concern over a global economic slowdown. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 7 points. Dow futures down 48. NASDAQ futures down 22. The DAX in Germany is up 1.1%. Ten-year Treasury, little change. Yield 2.80%. They yield on the two-year 2.83%. NYMEX crude oil is up a third of a percent of 34 cents. It's at $99.84 a barrel. Comex gold that'll changed at $1,763.50 an ounce. The euro 1.0228 against the dollar. British pound 1.1938 and the yen 135.27 and Bitcoin lower down one and a quarter percent at $20,181. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A man charged with seven counts of murder after firing off more than 70 rounds at an Independence Day parade in suburban Chicago legally bought five weapons. Police say that includes the high-powered rifle used in the shooting. Seven Trump allies have now been subpoenaed in the Georgia criminal investigation of election interference. According to court filings, Rudy Giuliani, Senator Lindsey Graham, and five others have been called to testify before a special grand jury in Atlanta as part of an investigation into alleged attempts to change the result of the 2020 election in the state. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets lost. The Nationals, Red Sox, and Giants also lost. The Orioles and A's won. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. We are live for the Bloomberg Internet Broker Studios, where it is now 549 on Wall Street. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson seems to be hanging by a thread this morning after his chancellor and health secretary resigned last night. Let's find out more this morning. We're joined by David Merritt, Bloomberg's senior executive editor, joining us from London. David, you know, there was a mob boss in New York some time ago. Charges didn't seem to stick. They called him the Teflon Don. Is <laughs> Boris Johnson the Teflon prime minister? Yeah, he's been called 
many things in his time, <laughs> uh, including versions of that. Maybe the, the Grease Piglet, who always escapes, is another one that's, that does the round. But, you know, as you said, hanging by a thread really does describe his situation. A slew of ministerial resignations, both last night, you mentioned the Chancellor and the Health Secretary, more this morning are deserting his government. And some of his staunchest supporters now saying he's got to go. He is, however, not resigning. And the technique to actually get him out of Downing Street is a little bit complicated because he survived a confidence vote recently. So the party is going to change their rules in order to dislodge him. But, you know, we'll see if this trickle of resignations this morning turns into another flood. Maybe this will uh, accelerate as the day gone and his position will become even more untenable. These uh, resignations, are they resignations of conscience or are these folks who want his job? Well, politicians, of course, <laughs> um, you know, not many of them go into uh, Parliament without wanting the top job. Um, but, you know, the letters that they're publishing this morning talk about the lack of moral authority at the top. They talk about really the need for a government with some more integrity. And it all comes down to the prime minister's character um, and his decision making over the past months and really the sense that people in his government have had enough and the popularity of this government is sinking fast and the opposition are riding high and of course these MPs are worried about their seats whenever the next election comes. Um, well just how many ministers does it take? That's actually a good question. How many are in the cabinet and uh, I mean is there a point at which it's just inevitable? Well, so far, I think the latest count, and I haven't been checking the last few minutes, we're at about sort of 14 or so members of his government, um, uh, some senior, uh, but m- many junior ones as well who have left. Um, there are about 50 or so people on the on the government payroll. So he's a way to go before there's nobody left at all. Um, but, you know, it is really important to note that the Chancellor, who's the second most important person in the British government, he resigned dramatically last night. And another very senior member, Sajid Javid, these are the ones that really... Um, dealt the very damaging blows. If another very senior cabinet member were to walk today, I think that could then prompt a bit more of a flood and his position really would look very difficult. Okay, political instability, never good for an economy and probably the last thing the UK economy needs right now is uh, political instability. If Johnson goes... What's the course ahead for the UK? Do, uh, the, is there a fundamental change in the policies? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. We know that his chancellor who quit last night and the prime minister had a difference of opinion on how to steer Britain through this very difficult, in high inflationary, low growth uh, period. And Britain's prospects are looking worse than most of the G7 at the moment. Inflation uh, surging to near 11% and growth flatlining. Um, the chancellor who quit last night wanted to rein in um, some of the spending. Johnson's instinct is to ramp it up, try to stimulate the economy. But what does that mean for inflation? The Bank of England will be watching that very carefully. We don't know much about the new Chancellor, Nadim Zahawi, what he might do. He's been on the airwaves this morning saying everything is on the table. He's talking about things like a corporation tax cut to try to boost the economy and some public sector pay wages to try to get people spending again. We may have an emergency budget before too long as well. But again, what does that mean for that high inflation rate? Will the Bank of England have to act even faster to increase interest rates to bring that under control? David, always a pleasure. David Barrett, Bloomberg Senior Executive Editor, joining us from London this morning. Karen. It is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. 
federal court in New York ruled that IBM must face age discrimination claims filed by 34 former employees who alleged they were fired as part of an effort to oust older workers. JetBlue settled a rest break case in California. Flight attendants had charged they were not paid for all hours worked and missed breaks in violation of state law. A new law in New Jersey allows 16- and 17-year-olds to work up to 10 hours a day and 50 hours a week during their summer breaks. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. Looking to next term of the Supreme Court, the court has agreed to use a North Carolina redistricting case to consider adopting a far-reaching legal doctrine that would shift more federal election power to the state legislatures that are now disproportionately controlled by Republicans. The appeal asked the justices to embrace what scholars call the independent state legislature theory, which three conservative justices suggested they agreed with last March. For more, Bloomberg's Jim Grosso speaks to elections law expert Richard Berfaux, a professor at Columbia Law School. Explain the independent state legislature doctrine that seems to be picking up steam lately. Well, the provision of the Constitution that deals with elections for Congress, Article 1, basically says that the state legislatures shall determine the time, place, and manner of elections for Congress. Congress can override that. But in the first instance, it's the state legislature. The word is legislature. Now, until fairly recently, no one thought that meant the legislature in particular, as opposed to kind of, let's call it the state legislative process. But the question has come up as to whether or not the legislature in some sense is independent of its state constitution, independent of its state Supreme Court, so that when the state Supreme Court interprets the state constitution to set aside what the state legislature has done, that triggers an Article One question and maybe it's an Article One violation. And that's what's picked up this idea of the independent state legislature doctrine, that somehow the state legislature is actually independent of its own constitution, independent of its own state Supreme Court. This doctrine has been kicking around for about 20 years, and a number of Supreme Court justices have indicated some support for it, primarily in the context of presidential elections. But does it seem as if adopting this independent state legislature doctrine would upend elections across the country. It would certainly do that in situations where state courts have made some decisions, well, potentially really interpreting state laws, let alone striking down. I mean, it would apply also not just to these gerrymandering decisions, but it could conceivably apply to like a state Supreme Court interpreting the state's mail-in ballot law in a generous way which, say, some members of the state legislature oppose, it could also lead to the really odd result that you would have different laws applying to different elections held at the same time. I mean, there would be no basis for using this doctrine for striking down a state Supreme Court's interpretation or an application of a state mail-in ballot law or some other local state election law applied to state elections. So you could conceivably have two different rules applying to, say, voter registration or mail-in ballots, one applying to federal elections, one applying to state elections, when both elections are held at the same time. It could be quite chaotic. I mean, this could apply to all kinds of voting measures then, absentee voting, voter ID, curbside voting. It could apply to anything involving the election of Congress and the Electoral College. 
And that's Richard Burfo, a professor at Columbia Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. Futures are now little changed. S&P futures, NASDAQ futures, Dow futures, again, all little changed. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 2.81%. And the yield on the two-year is at 2.83%. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.